0: I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, Episode 45. Today, we talk about the perfection detox, how to tame your inner critic, live bravely, and unleash your joy as you don't want to miss this life-changing episode. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness.
1: Life-Changing Wellness.
0: Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Welcome, everyone, to the show today. I'm very, very excited, but before we begin, if you could just do me a favor, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today, rate and review the show for me, and I want to thank you ahead of time for making our show great, and I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my guest is internationally renowned fitness expert and wellness leader, Petra Culver, who is known throughout the industry as a crusader for change and a beacon of authentic happiness. In her 25 years in the fitness world, she has starred in and choreographed 60 award-winning videos and fitness programs and has spoken live to thousands of people. As a national workshop leader and keynote speaker, she inspires people around the globe to stand up for their lives and live profoundly from their hearts. She has been a consultant and contributor to many national fitness magazines and has been named Fitness Crusader of the Year by Health Magazine. She has been the face and voice of leading food and fitness companies such as Reebok spry living yes fitness music and california walnuts and as a two-time cancer survivor she is passionate about waking people up to the precious gift of time her mission is to inspire people to move more and fear less so they can stretch their dreams strengthen their courage muscles and build an inspired life full of joy and gratitude and now our guest petra Kolber, as we discuss her brand new book The Perfection Detox, Tame Your Inner Critic, Live Bravely, and Unleash Your Joy. Welcome to the show, Petra.
1: Thank you so much. It's my privilege, and I'm so excited to be here.
0: Oh, I I really can't wait to get into this interview, this topic today. And uh, my first question to you is, why did you decide to write this book about detoxing from perfectionism?
1: Well, they say, you know, you learn it to teach it, you live it to preach it. And um, I think it was a big wake up call for me, Dr. Bond, where I, you know, for many years, as you had said in my intro, that, you know, people have, have known me as this happiness expert and this fitness piece. And then just unexpectedly in one of my events, gosh, I'd say maybe eight years ago, I touched on the idea just briefly. It was like a side, a side journey about having this incredible anxiety around this idea that I needed to be perfect. And it was just like a a light little like paragraph after my, you know, um, the speech I had prepared. And I felt the whole room get quiet. And I was like, I think I've hit a nerve here. And so I didn't really go much into it. But afterwards, there was a line of women that said to me, you suffer from anxiety from this idea that you need to be perfect. I thought it was just me. And it was at that moment, Dr. Bond, went, oh, my gosh. You know, a part of it was that I felt so alone in this myself as a fitness expert. and I thought this is work that I need to dive into and um, because this is work that's needed in the world.
0: Well, when did you realize that perfectionism had become a problem for you? And what was your wake up call moment?
1: Yeah, well, I think I, I love this saying. I think Oprah, I heard it on Oprah. It said uh, life throws you a pebble, a rock, and then you'll run into a brick wall. So, you know, for many years, i would had like these little, you know, when your head is not in alignment with your heart, you're going to, it's going to feel very busy and static, but I managed very, you know, perfectly to kind of ignore the disconnect between what my heart and my, my mind was thinking and saying my, my brick wall. I thought maybe my rock was, I got a call that Around, around the holidays in about 2005, I was currently writing a lot of articles for Health Magazine and CBS had a relationship with them. And, you know, it's the new year. So I said, you know, can you come on and be a guest for our new Year's? You know, basically how to get fit in like five minutes. And my first response, Dr. Bond was like, oh, you know, thank you so much. But I'm already booked that day. But thank you. So I put the phone down. And of course, was like, But busy. No, my calendar was completely empty. But there was something at that moment where my inner voice was like, Enough. I'm done with this. I'm kind of over this. You know, my inner calling was like speaking louder than my inner critic. And so without thinking, before knowing what I was going to do to get ready, I picked up the phone. I said, You know what? I'm so grateful. You know, I've moved things around in my schedule, hadn't moved anything. My schedule was like cricket. And I said, I will make it an effort. And I'll come over to the East Coast. And I'd love to be a guest on your show. This was my brick wall and my wake-up call, um, Dr. Bond. They said to me, Petra, we are so excited to finally get you on. We've been trying to get you on the show for two years. So for two years, I had been turning down high-profile work for the fear that I wasn't going to be perfect enough to be the perfect fitness expert on that perfect show. And because my heart knew that was not in my best interest, I kind of put all those no's into a little box and ignored them. And it was that moment when I was like, oh, my gosh, this word perfect that I thought was meant to make my world bigger, you know, to be the perfect fitness expert was actually shutting me and my world down. And that's when I knew I really had to get to work on doing the work to understand it, live it and then move through it.
0: Well, you know, I want to I want to pull a quote from your book. And in it you have in your book and it states perfectionism while not a disease of the body, is a cancer of the spirit and one that if left unmanaged will cause great damage to our life. Well how do you deal with perfectionism in your own life? Mm.
1: Well, I think if I'm talking excuse me <coughs> and here's the imperfect interview, I have a cough. Hold on. I drink <laughs> some water. Universe is always teaching you, right? Oh, yeah. Excuse me. (laughs) So either I'm choking up on the truth or I'm just having like a natural reaction. Um, Excuse me. So I think for me, the big part of it, the first part is awareness and the fact that I don't know, honestly, if it ever goes away. But when we are able to be aware of, you know, the tricky inner critic who, you know, those negative voices, and when we are aware of, really how it keeps us separate from living our best selves, that's when we get to do the work. So people often say to me now, you know, you've written this book, you've done a TEDx talk, you know, do you still deal with this? The answer is yes. And I catch it a lot sooner. So my awareness capacity, my radar of the, the BS that my inner critic wants to feed me, it lights up much, much faster. And then I know how to accept that this. this is a part of me, there's much of perfection that for your listeners probably serves you very well. You're probably a great mom. You know, you're very um, diligent. You show up and there's probably a piece of it or a part of it that really limits you, that separates you from being the best you in the world. This idea that, you know, a theme I see a lot, Dr. Barn, whether you've done the work or you're in the work or you're on the other side of the work is this idea that we're not worthy. And so I still have to deal with it in my life. But here's the thing. You know, I would never have written this book if I'd waited for the perfect book. I would never have moved from movement into keynote speaking had I waited to be able to present the perfect talk. So, but the thing is too, as you start to go for your dreams, the dreams get bigger. And so your courage muscle also has to create more resilience and grit because the stakes change, they get higher. So it's just continually, you know, Staying present, being aware, being accepting of the thoughts and the things that come into our mind and our heart, and then taking the action steps, you know, to really keep you moving forward so that you can be your best self, not your perfect self. So in that way, you can be of perfect service to the world and the people that need you.
0: Well, you know, I found it very interesting that in your book, you stated that, uh, you know, as these little pebbles get built up and eventually... You have that moment, and you actually suffered from severe panic attacks. And you stated that you could hide all the elements except one thing, mm-hmm. and that was the sweating problem. And then you started canceling, uh, basically, uh, media promotion gigs just because of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was you know, it was that idea that there's a great book, Ten Percent Happier, um, where the newscaster you know had literally a panic attack on camera. And that's what I was so terrified of i you know when I was teaching uh dr Bond, you know if i was I was teaching fitness so I, so I never had a panic attack because I was meant to be sweating, <laughs> so I was never afraid <laughs> of sweating at an inopportune moment, but you know if I'm in fitness clothes, I'm on camera and it's live t v and all of a sudden i would if I had this idea of having a panic attack that always involved literally it would be like i could like from zero to a hundred, it could be freezing in the studio. It would have looked like I had run a marathon, and I was so ashamed of this idea of having this full-blown sweat that was so visible and felt so visceral. I mean, many of my dear friends to this day remember when seeing me go through this, you know. But the risk versus reward when you're going through this in front of a friend is much different to what you're going through it on TV. Oh yeah. And you know now, you know, touch wood. I have not had a panic attack in many years, but if I were to do so, I would just own it. And to the interviewer or the situation or the scenario, I like, hey, you know what, guys, this is what's going on. And the minute you own it, it goes away. But I didn't have the knowledge or the heart or the courage to even look at it from that capacity. I just saw it as a negative, a weakness wow. and something that nobody would want to be around.
0: Well, you know, that's that's very uh, enlightening because in a way. A person that has a problem with perfectionism really becomes an insecurity. Correct?
1: Because we yes, because we see it. Well, we take the worst of it. We we so here's the thing with perfectionism. I always say, perfect is only a word until you attach a meaning to it. So some of your listeners might go, you know what? I think of the word perfect, and it actually motivates me to be my my best self. Fantastic. And I think for many of us, there's a little piece of it, like you say. In perfection, we don't ever focus on all the great things that we are. Your listeners have bring so many beautiful assets to each of their interactions, to their family, their friends, their work. They bring joy. They bring, you know, a curiosity of mind. They bring knowledge, but perfection in its worst case scenario never allows you to even see that. Never mind even celebrate it. It just dials down to what you haven't done, what you're not good at, what you still have to learn, the mistakes that you made. And let me be a 100%. I'm being completely authentic right now. I'm still thinking a little bit about that coughing fit I had 10 minutes ago. I mean, this is what perfection does. It's like, you know, this is going to be the perfect interview and you're going to listen back and all. But that's life. You know, life isn't perfect. I can't. And that's the thing about perfect in its worst form. It cripples us and creates the anxieties because we're trying to be in control. So that when Absolutely. things don't go according to plan, boom, you know, already we're not living up to it. So, there's, you know, it's those pieces that don't allow you to celebrate who you are. And there's this idea that none of us are good enough. And so I'd like to say I love that phrase, you know, I am enough. And there still might be work that you want to do. There still might be things you want to learn. There still might be um, skill sets you want to strengthen. But that doesn't negate everything who you are at this very moment, listening into the show with you, the amazing host. It's like taking all the best of what you are. And then we can work on the other bits. but we don't make that the foundation and the focus of our life.
0: I, I love it. I love it, Petra. Now, let me ask you something. The Perfection Detox is a 21-step process can you share a little bit more about the steps in your book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And people often say to me, you know, why did you write this book? Because you know there's a lot of amazing thought leaders out there, many who I who I follow and I love, that are telling us, you know, we're very aware, you know, just don't worry about be, be you know, don't worry about being perfect. Let perfection go. No one relates to perfect. But tell a recovering perfectionist just to let perfection go. You have just given me more anxiety because I'm going, well, how do I do that perfectly? So it's one thing telling us what to do, but I felt there was a big lack in telling us how to do it. So I broke down my seven-year struggle with my years of therapy, my years of research, and going back to school for positive psychology. So the very first thing is awareness. So step one is identifying your inner critic, those negative voices. And then unleashing and moving into or exploring your potential. So the first thing is when we explore our potential, it allows us to quieten the negative voices. So the first step is just awareness because a tricky thing with perfection is it often has become such a part of who we are, that negative tape, that rumination. So we even, we don't even notice it's there. It's almost like a warm, cozy blanket because we're so Familiar to it. We don't even notice the weight that we're carrying around with this. The first part one is kind of noticing those negative, the negative things that are holding you between you and your potential. So that's part one. Identify your inner critic and exploring, just getting to look at with curiosity your potential. Once you have awareness, you then kind of have to kind of make cleaning out the um, negative. The universe doesn't like a vacuum, neither does your head or your heart. So then we kind of focusing on where we've been so busy without being aware of it, of focusing on everything we're not. Part two is shifting your focus to everything that you are. And that, so it's called, you know, that's shifting your focus on living bravely. And I got to tell you, Dr. Bond, to live bravely with authenticity and encourage and to really look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know what? I'm okay with me. That is an act of courage. Because one of my favorite quotes is by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he says, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And I think that is so true. When we can just it it look is. at ourselves and learn to love, yeah, and just learn to love ourselves, that's a brave and radical act.
0: Yeah, it And is. then, you know,
1: the last part, yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead. I mean, I go think, ahead, you know,
1: no, so, no, yeah, so, and then the last bit is, you know, This work, you have to work the work for the work to work, if that makes sense. And so my last, the last part is I want them to, it's called liberate yourself and unleash your joy. And this really is rooted in the science of positive psychology, because once the book is closed, and I hope people keep revisiting it again and again, that, you know, this is just like strength training, like having a good diet. This is like your mental diet for your heart and your life. You, it's, it's tools and strategies that you can revisit every day in moments of doubt, in moments when you're just, you know, that voice of I'm who am I to be doing this? Am I enough when they get a little loud? So that will give you those strategies to cement this goodness of who you are now into the positive future that's ahead of you.
0: Well, I understand that you had stated in your book that uh, for us to go through these steps, we should actually go through them in sequential order and not be skipping around, correct?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a methodology to this. I mean, I think in some way for perfectionists, that's actually refreshing. It's like, oh, good, I've got steps to follow so I can master this. So they are definitely in a sequential order. Basically, it's like kind of making like a clearing out the muck. Fementing that foundation with new positive mindset. Um, and then, you know, looking forward with anticipation and curiosity. While they are definitely meant to be done and designed to be in order, I also state in the book, the timeline is up to you. 21 steps, 21 days, fantastic. It might be 21 steps, 21 weeks, fantastic. It might be 21 steps, you know what? I'm reading this and it doesn't really resonate with me. Skip that. But go on to the next one. And my biggest thing I say is the only rule is this book does not have to be done. This book doesn't have to be, this plan doesn't have to be executed perfectly. Take what works, stick with what resonates with you. And it's often that stuff we go, ooh, that stings a little. Then I would invite, okay, whatever that is you just read, hmm, that's ringing really true to you. So let's work on that a little bit. And then there might be a couple of things that you read and go, yes, yeah, this just doesn't resonate with me. Move on. It just isn't meant for you right now. Maybe you revisit it in a couple of weeks. Or maybe that particular section is not in alignment with what your life and your heart need right now. And that's all perfect.
0: Well, I want to ask you a question because there was something in your book that really jumped out at me and, and resonated with me. And I completely agree on this point. Uh, you had brought up the subject of social social media. So do you think social media yeah. has made this more challenging because of what you said in your book? I completely agree with and please share that with our listeners.
1: Yeah, I mean this is an int- really interesting thing to look at. I listened to a speaker last week and this is very enlightening. He said, you know, technology doesn't have an opinion. And I love that. Technology is what one- look, you and I are connecting through technology. We get to listen to your podcast and your radio show through technology. And it's not, we have to be so mindful when we go on to the online space, especially social media, because, you know, the the immediate default for our mind is to go to that compare and contrast. How does my life look compared to the one I'm seeing on social media? And let's be honest, look, I'm standing right now in my closet, um, you know, with like this, <laughs> these wires so I can get the best down. So people, you know, people have an idea of how we operate in our life. And Stephen Furtick said, you know, the reason we all suffer from insecurity is because we're comparing our behind the scenes with everyone's highlight reel. And so what happens is our heart sees the highlight reel and our brain is comparing our real life to that. And so it just look, if you can use social media in a way that inspires you, fantastic. But I'm going to invite you to really tap in and go on mindfully. The challenge is, Dr. Bond, is oftentimes and I know I'm guilty of this, when I'm not feeling great about myself or I have time to kill, I'm feeling a little bored, that's when I tend to start scrolling my feed. And that is just perfect territory for our, you know, our inner critic to raise our head and go, Nah, see your life ain't good is not as good as hers. Ah, you see your book's not doing as well as hers, you see your show because if we're going on mindlessly, our default is the negative. So well, if
0: you could come, go on with intention yes, well you know it, it reminds me of the old saying, you know an idle mind is the devil's workshop, and if you're and a lot of people are on social media with an idle mind, and all of these things are coming at them from the left from the right and and I feel that social media is not really social uh social is face to face you know being social is being on the telephone not not through an app, not through Facebook or Twitter and the rest of them out there. But I find, uh, and, and I noticed that your books seem to really focus more in speaking to women. And when I got to thinking about that, social media really <laughs> seems to cause more damage to women than it actually causes damage to men. Would you agree? I do
1: agree. I mean, I have to say, and I love that quote. Thank you for sharing. I'd not heard that before. I love it. But I think... I. Th- Look, I think the bars are changing for men too. I just saw the first Botox commercial for a guy on TV. I was like, okay, <laughs> good. You know, it's like, even, even in the playing field a little, but I do think in the, the that's, I think the level of expectation has become so debilitating and impossible to reach for women. I mean, I think what's happening now, Dr. Bond is the basement level, the basement level for living a good life is now perfection. It's not even something we're attaining. It's like, If you're not even this to start with, why bother? And I I do think, I think the tolerance, look, men can, and this is not to be, you know, men or women, but I do think there is a different playing field where, you know, I look at men, they're allowed to age with gray hair and get a little softer. We look at women, we are not allowed to age well. We are, you know, I'm moving in, I'm going to be 55 this year, and this is work, I'm like, oh my gosh, The, the perfectionism, it changes. It's no longer about being perfect, but how do I age well when society kind of is wanting me to look a certain way? I call it the new normal. Honestly, Dr. Bone, I don't know what 55 is normal anymore because I'm seeing the airbrush and the filters and the no wrinkles. And, you know, there's no, my waistline should be what a six pack was when I was 30 years ago. So I'm searching for what is a heroic role model that I can use that's real, still aspirational. I still want to be my best, best self, but I would be wasting all these hours and thoughts if I'm trying to be the 30 self I was, you know, 25 years ago. So I do think the bar barriers are different. And I do think, um, a lot of it is what we're being sold. You know, a lot of brood. I say, um, you know, the media sells to our insecurities. I want us to start buying into our strengths,
0: you yes. know, and oh, yeah. I, I,
1: I joke in the book. Yeah.
0: Well, the insecurity. You know, thing, you can tell
1: if I have a good.
0: Well, nah. yeah, because you know when I look I mean, at social you can media. Tell, sorry. Yeah, because well, when I look at social media, I look at people in two ways. One, mm. insecurity. The other one, narcissistic. And you can tell the difference between the two. But insecurity reigns supreme between the two. And you know, a lot of people get caught up on Instagram. I think Instagram is probably the worst when it comes to. Changing people's thought patterns, like you said, you know, if if someone, if you're 55 years old, and yes, you know, we'd like to uh, age gracefully, but we need to be showing some maturity by that age. But unfortunately, a lot of people in their 50s are showing a lot of insecurity and actually thinking like a 20 year old. And but don't you suggest taking a break from social media?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think also outside of that, we propose there's two reasons. Like, ask yourself, why am I on here? And if you are contributing to the noise, how can I contribute in a positive way? How can I make sure that my messaging is elevating the people that see my my post? And I just, I know for me, like, you know, some people say, well, I can't get, you know, if it's for your business, you know, manage your business well, manage your time, schedule your post so you can take some time off. And like you said it, you know, real life happens in the moment. And we're so busy being behind our screen, we miss the moments twice. So I definitely encourage at least and people get high with the thought of like not having their phone for an hour. Never mind half a day, never mind a day. But I think a daily detox once a week, it gonna, it's going to, it's going to feed your soul. It's going to let you and then pay attention to how you're feeling. Do you feel calmer? Do you feel less stressed? Do you feel like? almost like more courageous? Does your self-esteem go up a little bit? Do you feel better about yourself? Because if we're constantly comparing our real life to what we see, like you said, the images we see in front of us, and we're seeing so many images and our brain processes the thoughts and the feelings way faster than we can even be aware of. And wouldn't you rather spend like, hey, imagine all the hours you get, you know, we're we're seeing people behind the screens like three hours a day. Imagine what you could do with three hours a day. That's oh, yeah. you know forty eight that adds up to forty eight days a year that you could be out in the world strengthening your face to face relationships, creating amazing um projects and interacting and being a being a change agent for the world in the real world, not in this you know photoshop world of social media, and again not to not to say this or that, nothing wrong in social media if you want to stay connected, but like you had said. Let's get really real about the connections and I saw this actually to kind of be weird about it. I saw it on a scroll as I was scrolling by one day. I laughed when I saw this then. I refuse to compare myself to strangers on the internet. And
0: that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> we're what we're doing. Well, I think we figured out your I think we figured out your second book and I think it's going to have to do with social Uh-oh. media. <laughs> But let me ask you this. Okay. You, say, you take- say, yeah, well, you say there are three different types of perfection. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, and this is really interesting. There's three different types, and we can all be a piece of, um, we can all be a piece, we have pieces of this inner. So there's other-oriented, so someone who is other-oriented perfectionist, you might be working with one of these. These are the people that tend to be devil's advocates. These are the people, the perfectionists that, Find fault in others, but expect others to be perfect, that point out the flaws. They tend to be micromanagers. And so often, you know, you think like if you're working for a boss who's like got a big ego, and like I said, might seem narcissistic, more likely than not, in fact, they are terrified of being found out. So Mm -hmm. it's easy for them to shine the light and all the faults on you, so then they won't be found out. So obviously, you know, relationships are going to suffer. No one's going to really want to work for you or be very close to you because you're always finding fault. Then there's, um, you know, there's a media prescribed, the social perfectionist. And this is the one that you're talking about right now. It's um, the one where we're trying to live up to these ideas of what people think we should be, what the media should be. Um, and that's what and this is the one that I think was my big default. Because I thought the media expected me to be perfect because I was the fitness expert, so I was setting up these ideals that were just so unattainable. And you know, this is what we're seeing right now with social media and anxiety is on the rise right now at colleges because we're we're trying to live up to these unrealistic, impossible to reach, you know, standards. And then there's the self-prescribed perfectionist and. In some ways, this is actually the healthiest. You know, if you know, if 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 you see yourself as like I'm driven, I want to do well, um, all of that is great. They tend to be really good at delivering timelines. You execute well. You can, you're reliable. You're a great friend. And sometimes we can overstep our boundaries of what we think is needed to be of value. You know, maybe you check your emails four times. That's probably three times more than most people versus 10 times. You know, so you, that one, it can be healthy. There's a lot of good things around that when we're self prescribed perfectionists, when we're kind of putting the, putting the ideals on ourselves. And when those ideals become just so high that we never are going to hit our mark. And, or if you reach your ideal and all you see it, well, I, I was lucky. You know, I love that saying negativity sticks to us like Velcro and positivity slides off us like Teflon. If you can't (laughs) allow yourself to enjoy the hits, and all you focus on is the misses, then something's going to ride. That perfectionism has slipped over from being healthy to toxic. And then let's look at the pieces you want to keep that are going to help move you into an amazing future. And let's look at the ones that maybe are like crippling the joy, you know, snuffing out the dreams you know, dropping your courage, giving you more anxiety than you, that's going to serve your life. Because what's the point in like reaching these amazing goals if you're just suffering along the way? It's just, just not worth it. And it's got to be a different way of living.
0: Well, is perfectionism ever a good thing?
1: I think there's two, I think it's a great question. I believe for me personally, I like to change the word from perfectionist because for me personally, like I said before, it only is only a word until you attach a meaning to it. But there's so much history attached to me in perfectionism. I like to use the word move from a perfectionist to a passionist. So what a passionist in my book does, like perfection, I'm always looking forward to see how far I have to go. A passionist allows me to still want to go forward and excel, but it also allows me to sit and look back to say, oh my God, look how far I've come and celebrate all aspects of myself. A perfectionist, for me, the toxic perfectionist is always looking for what I could have done better. It's going to find the flaws. It's going to like look at everything's wrong. So there are pieces of perfection, though. I like to move, again, because that word is so loaded for me personally. And again, I'd ask the listener, just, hey, when you hear the word perfection, if it doesn't trigger you, keep it. Keep the good bit. But then ask yourself, okay, if I'm thinking of it being perfect, does that mean it has to be faultless? Does it mean I have to be flawless? Does that mean if I make a mistake, I am the mistake? Because sometimes if we dive a little deeper, maybe what we thought was, you know, maybe we thought perfect was helping us in some areas of our lives, but are there other areas that are suffering? You know, if you're perfect at work, how's your relationship with yourself? How's your relationship with your family? So not saying it's all or nothing, but there are few people that I have found in my in my exploration that really can use perfection in its entirety and look at it and go, yeah, no, it doesn't cause many problems at all.
0: Well, I think we have time for all, one more question. So I want to ask you this because I loved your explanation. Wow. I mean, it is... It's a breath of fresh air that uh, someone like you has spent time, years to bring this information together because there are many of us that can relate to perfectionism. But I know that in your book you state that we must identify the difference between being ambitious and striving for perfection, one causing pain and suffering, and the other does not. So what do you say to people who are afraid that they will lose their edge if they no longer strive to be perfect?
1: I think this is the biggest challenge for most people. And I thank you for bringing it up because like most executives or high functioning, you know, out in the world, they go, their biggest fear or their idea is well, if I give up perfection, I'm going to be suddenly like lose my success. No, the, you're probably you, in my mind, I think you might even work harder than you ever have before. So the work might not change, but what fuel your work, what fuels your ambition is very different. When we're fueled and driven by the idea that it has to be perfect, it has to be faultless, it has to be flawless, that is fueled by fear, self-doubt, and insecurity. If we change it, I still want to work hard. I still want to excel. I still want to be great. I still want to be the best. Nothing wrong in that. But we no longer make perfection the benchmark. We make excellence. We make curiosity, we make courage, we make laughter, we make joy, we make experimentation, we try things, and we reframe this idea of failure. That FAIL to me, many perfectionists, I think, don't FAIL because fail to me is first attempt in learning.
0: Ooh, and so I, love I that. think
1: when we, thank you, when we take off this idea that it has to be perfect as a boss, as a coach, as a leader, guess what? You're going to try new things you're going to be more collaborative, you're going to be more authentic, you're going to have better relationships, you're going to take more risks at work and excel. But you're now being fueled by potential versus fear, by possibility versus doubt. And again, this is not meaning that you're not going to work less, but what's fueling your life, what's fueling your thoughts, what's fueling your impact in the world is one of positivity versus vulnerability.
0: Oh, I love that, Petra. And I can tell you one thing. I need to have you come back on the show for a part two version of the Perfection Detox. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you uh, have been enjoying this conversation with Petra Kolber and I about how to uh, well, detox from perfectionism and to, to live a much better life. So, Petra, where can everyone find your book?
1: Yeah, if you go to PerfectionDetox.com, You can pre-order the book right now. It comes on sale August 14th. And there's also some bonuses to say thank you for your time and for listening and for reaching out and going over to the PerfectionDetox.com.
0: Thank you so much, Petra. And again, it's not only been a pleasure, it's been an honor to have you on the show today. And I can't wait to read the rest of your book and I'm look forward to uh the actual hardbound copy uh when they uh, debut in August. So everyone go to perfectiondetox.com pre-order her book today. This is something that I believe that everyone can benefit from if you don't feel that you're striving for perfection that's okay there's a lot of things in that book that you can learn and just become a better person and live life abundantly and that's what it's all about so remember everyone to catch every episode of life-changing wellness just hit subscribe on itunes or on my show page at radio md.com slash dr bond and if i can ask you a favor Please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. I thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And again, on my show page at radiomd.com slash drbond to find all of our channels of iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. So thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness. I'm Dr. Ward Bond. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. God bless.